Hey, security peeps. It is Renee Small here in another special edition of Breaking into Cybersecurity with our favorite peak performance coach, Dr. Dan Schaefer. Hi, Dan. Hi, Renee. How's everybody else doing today? Hopefully well. Staying safe. Staying as safe as we can be. So as I shared in the past, Dan and I are going to be having these live stream discussions as we are all dealing with COVID-19. Dan's background has been with helping executives and managers and uh, professional athletes and student athletes and people of all various walks of life on being their absolute best um, and dealing with a lot of challenges like the ones that we are going through right now. So one of the questions that um, continues to come up and Lord knows it's come up for me is around what's keeping us awake at night. So Dan, I know we're gonna be answering that question soon okay. as people chime in with their various, you know, what's keeping them up at night. Um, okay. But what have you been hearing from your various clients as what is keeping them up at night and how they can, how can we um, overcome some of the challenges that we're having today? Well, the, the pressure on cybersecurity people never stops. I mean, it's unending. It just keeps, it's like Niagara Falls. It keeps coming, coming, coming. So, you know, it's how do you prepare for that? How do you get used to that? The things I've heard about frequently are, uh, and I want to just flip back to when, uh, when Hewlett Packard was merging with Compaq, and I worked with senior executives right under Carly Fiorina. Um, there were a couple of issues that came up. Certainly their own performance in their, in their role within that, that global company. But also there was something in the background that continued to resonate. And it was, what about my future? What about me? What, what, how do I plan? Do I have a safety net in the event that in emerge, I'm left out of the picture? Mm-hmm. So I think one of the things that comes up is, and I, and the reason a lot of this happens when I, is I deal privately with people. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's, what you know when somebody puts up a program of performance of performance enhancement talent management what's frequently left out is the me part and we deal with the me part so uh winning is very important to people they want to win the question is is that you know when i come back to working with golfers for example uh, I tell golfers, take a golf ball and write JTS on it, just this shot. Take one shot at a time. But So that's the, that's the challenge of people today. But also, I, and we've talked about this before, the importance of individuals being in 2025. Where are they? What do they see their dream being? Both, and what challenges do they see coming down the pike in 2025? Then the question is, is looking at a person's own A-game. What's your A-game like? I've spoken to professional athletes, quarterbacks, and I'll say, you know, football's about your A-game. They say, it's a team sport. I said, after you bring your A-game. So you bring your A-game over the white line. So what's the A-game of your cybersecurity people? And then I just got off the phone with a client. We're talking about uh, looking at things differently, looking at a plan and saying, What's missing? You know, when we review, a, a, when we do an MRI and CAT scan on, on an insurance program, for example, uh, we look for, I have people who will look for what's there. 
But other people say, no, I, I assume that what's there is okay. I'm looking for what's missing. Mm -hmm. So it's how do we approach that? And it comes back to working with your mind game. What, what type of issues come up? So I'm curious about what keeps people awake at night. And some people I know may not tell us on this call if they're identifiable what keeps them awake at night. But as we've said, if they give me a call and talk to me about it, you know, they'll know in a, in a heartbeat if I can help them. Yeah. But it's not what, what do I do? You know, when somebody sits down just before they close on that and say, what do I do now? What happens next? What do I have to do next? And those are the issues because it's all down to personal issues. Well, I know sometimes I can tell you for me, I'll have a couple of weeks ago in particular, I had so many projects going all at once. And I was very, I think I, I probably told you, I did tell you. <laughs> I said, I was just, I couldn't even, I would wake up in the middle of the night wondering what I forgot. Like what, what you know, I, I couldn't sleep because I was trying to figure out, I was trying to make sure that I had all these balls juggling in the air and then throw on top of it. Like, a, you know, the reason why we're having these discussions is you have COVID-19. So on, on a regular, typically, um, this is our recruit from a recruiting perspective. This is like recruiting busy season. So in a, in a regular world, normal world, um, a lot of uh, folks that are in, uh, corporations or companies that typically have a regular or your standard quarter um, in your standard cycle, they people tend to get their bonuses around March and then they move. So a lot of movement happens between like January and um, June in recruiting, specifically right between January and say April-ish, April-May. Um, and then you'll get some you'll get some additional stuff with like the college grads and things like that in May and in terms in June and things like that. But the height of the season is kind of like right now. So I had a couple of things juggling. And then on, additionally, you know, now, you know, pile on kids being at home and all this other stuff. And I would wake up like, well, who did, you know, <laughs> what did I forget to do? <laughs> like, like I'm supposed to call somebody or I'm supposed to schedule something. I'm supposed to do something. And it was freaking me out. So um, I know you told me immediately to hand finger finger and uh yeah well, it, we, we have to sure we leave enough time for that relaxation piece because I've spoken yes. to so many people previous clients who've come back and gotten this refresher piece that we did a couple of weeks ago but I think that you know uh, you know I find a lot of people take everything that's going on in their life and they throw it into a stew pot. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you look in the stew pot, you see the meat and the potatoes and the carrots and the onions floating around. And then when they want to make, they want to deal with an issue, they have to dig into the stew pot. We've worked with this silo system, which I think is incredible because what it does is it allows a person to uh, put in, a, in separate silos, different issues that they're dealing with and post them up on the wall someplace. Because what happens is, is you don't even have to read what you put in a silo. Your subconscious mind reads it, and it reads it, and it keeps it in order. And then, using some forms of relaxation, of focus, and concentration, it allows somebody to be able to deal with those things in a much more effective way. That's for the individual. But what about their team? I talk about, you know, 
uh, I'm sure that hackers are not operating all the time by themselves. They probably have teams of people with strategy. Well, what's it, what is your team doing? How does it, how is the team dealing with this? We, we put together this, uh, program for, uh, Corona, which is helping people deal with stress in the workplace. And how do you reach out to your team to do that? Well, we have a, uh, a Zoom call that's about an hour that takes people through relaxation strategies to show them how to cut their stress down just by blinking their eyes or putting their thumb and index finger together. But it's done, sub, done, done subconsciously, just like an athlete works, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's getting people to say, I need to get this information. I don't want to wait another week for it. Let's see what we can get now. Right. So Colin, uh, a couple people are chiming in. Uh, Colin says he's happy to be here working from home. So it's a small window of opportunity. So we talked a little bit about how people are at home now. So they get in more opportunity to actually watch this kind of stuff, which is great. Um, Jonathan, I'm waiting for a response from him, but he said that he would like help with better hand hygiene measures. Um, So I'm looking forward to hearing more about what that means in particular. And then we just have some other folks that are on the call or on the, um, on the live that chimed in and said that they're, they're here, happy to be here and things like that. Good. So Dan, what are you seeing? Some, I mean, you talked about 2025 and I think that that's a, that's something that, um, I don't know if people fully grasp when you say, you know, 2025. So explain a little bit more to people about what that means when you say that your clients are currently in 2025. Imagine for a moment that I gave you a magic wand and you waved the magic wand. And when you waved it, you were already in 2025, the year 2025, April of 2025. What does that look like to you? What, where are you? What company are you working for? What does your team look like? What challenges are you facing? All of those things. Uh, what happens is, is that because you're giving yourself permission to dream about 2025, uh, you, you move toward it. Your subconscious mind drags you toward it. And it, it's, uh, it's amazing how it works. It defies conventional wisdom. And it is definitely not goal setting. It's about dreaming. How do I dream 2025? And what we did frequently was say to people, particularly uh, when we were working with HP, is to say to a client, tell me what 2025 looks like. Let's look back at anything you think that could either distract you or impact on you reaching that 2025. And that's where we've talked about this for a long time, is that, I take a client out to 2025 and we talk about it. And they have a, a form, a, a, a survey they fill out. They describe 2025 for me and for themselves. And then we look backwards from there for anything you could possibly do to foul that up. Anything. And that's where it comes back into the marketing of mistakes or omissions. What, and that's one of the things that we're looking at today with the stress that people are on is errors, omissions, accidents, and safety. High-risk areas, particularly when people are under stress. But again, it it may simply be, how do I move from one company to another? How do I function within the company I'm in? How do I deal with the challenges 
of the people I'm dealing with, the psychology of the workplace. Uh, you know, I can be really good at my job, but I may have some challenges in managing or interacting with the people who I report to. So it's how do you get a thousand? What I what people do with me is they give me a thousand foot view of their company. They give me an organizational chart and I'll say, here's where I want to be. And how do you get there? What, what steps do you take to get there? Because at the end of the day, what really keeps people up at night also is themselves. What am I going to do if this, when this changes or if it changes? So they see themselves interestingly as a, uh, the CEO of their own company. How do they see themselves as a CEO of their own company and operate in that way? And, uh, and realizing that once they agree to that or accept that, that every decision they make becomes a business decision. What they, you know, student athletes, what they eat, what they drink, what they smoke, who they're seen with, who takes their picture, what they post on Facebook or on social media, all of those things are going to impact on their future at some point in time. Somebody's going to come back and say, let's go back and look at Facebook and see what this guy's posted. Hello? You know? So it, it's helping people uh, to be more effective. And then there's, there are keys to a competitive edge that people look at. And they and I can go through three. I'll just bring them up here for a minute. But uh, so any, any more notes, anything, anybody... Yeah, we have a question here from Rohit. He said, quarantining alone has its benefits, but I've been catching myself thinking about past problems that are no longer relevant. Okay. Uh, when, you know, it's, it's interesting how much this relates back to sports. Uh, when I would talk to my quarterbacks about, uh, about the coming year, I'd say, let's take a look at the published schedule for the year and see how you talk to yourself about each team that you're playing against. And we'd mention a team and he'd immediately flip back to something that happened in the previous game. Now, who was this, Dan? Huh? Which, you said a professional athlete? Yeah, when I worked with the, my quarterbacks. Okay. They think, you know, or they think of something that didn't work well for them. Mm -hmm. So, so it, it becomes important to be able to separate it, but what I would say is, is that to identify the second that you're distracted by these past events, put the past event on a post-it note, stick it on a wall someplace and decide at some time of the day, you're going to go back and review those things. Uh, you know, you can't change what happened in the past. You may learn from what happened in the past, uh, but still it becomes very important to be able to talk that way. Yep. Uh, Cameron says, keeping in consideration the current situation with hackers on prowl, how do we safeguard small businesses like ours? What can we do as we have had several break-in attempts on their website? Uh, that, I guess, first of all, I'm not a cybersecurity person. You know, Renee knows I'm happy that my computer turns on and I can leave. <laughs> but, but again, it's is it possible to anticipate those attacks? Anticipate what they're trying to, how they're trying to get into you, how they're trying to attack you. You know, yeah. it, it's, it's you have to be right all the time, and they only have to be good once. 
Yeah. So is that and and, and again, how how do you approach this small company? So are you, I question, are you operating by yourself? Are there resources that you need to make this work? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Collins says, with the current situation and working trend, what do you think is the best way forward if you were thinking about making a shift to another position, remote versus on-site positions? I, I would say the, and, and the biggest issue that I have with folks in transition is most of the people I work with, when we initially start, they, it's hard for them to describe what they do well. So I think having a dream about where you want to be, if you're thinking about a transition, uh, is to find out what you think that would look like. And then you have to do a SWOT analysis on yourself. What are the strengths that you have? What do you really do well? Uh, what are your weaknesses? I don't like weaknesses. I don't like the word, but it's developmental opportunities. Uh, where can you develop? And I know, for example, I use a competency model for many companies to come back and say, here are the things that are really important for somebody in your position and how do we make that work? Uh, so those, those two things come in. And then it's to have the people that work with me, I, be, I come, I, I get a, I'm at their back. So I have no emotion going into a situation. They have a lot of emotion and change and transition. But I get a thousand foot view, and when you take emotion out of significant changes, they become more manageable. So I would want to know if you're thinking of the change, what does it look like? Uh, put put it down on paper, draw it out, sketch it out, and then what are the? Then you do a SWOT analysis on each one. What gets in the way? What are your contacts? If you're talking about changing from one company to another. Uh, you really need to look at the contacts and the people you're going to be talking to uh, and how you, what you're going to say to them when you talk to them, when they interview you. Is it going to be, uh, is it going to, I, I would ask everybody what they think uh, the impact of this remote uh, Zoom call concept is. How many more people are going to revert to this? I think a lot. You know, I, I, I mean, to tell you the truth, it, it's, uh, it's a lot easier to be sitting here in Roslyn, New York, rather than driving to Washington, D.C. and sitting in the TV studio. <laughs> you know? So it's, it's really, uh, uh, it really is, I believe, going to change. I'm not exactly sure how it's going to change, but I think people are getting used to doing business this way. Yeah. I know what my clients say are. I think it's going to change, too. I think it's one of the things that, Cybersecurity professionals have been asking um, for a lot, especially um, because those are the professionals that I deal with the most. Um, and I believe that even the leaders have asked their leadership for more flexibility with candidates for a number of reasons. Um, as we all know, you know, this the, the there's a, a quote unquote talent shortage. I don't believe that it's a talent shortage, short, shortage per se, but there's a limited number of cybersecurity professionals that have specific skills. And one of the things that comes up very often is people saying, you know, pre-COVID-19, they don't want to drive two hours around the DC Beltway. They don't want to drive forever into San Francisco. They don't want to drive, you know, like 
if you're in some of these markets where there is the commute is taking you two hours each way, that really, really starts to streamline the candidate population for leaders. And now it, that it's forced, you know, you get just much more um, flexibility on both sides. So I think that people will start to realize like, hey, this is a, this is working. Um, people likely are putting in more hours. I read an article the other day about people putting in like three extra hours a day from being at home because, you know, you just, you have more time um, when your kids aren't bothering you. <laughs> but in any event, um, um, yeah, I, I, I cannot see it going back to what it was, you know, in January. I just can't see that happening. Uh, so Colin, Justin um, makes a comment here. He thanks Collins for asking his, that same question about changing occupations. He's changing occupations soon and is worried that the job he's looking for now won't exist in six months. So Dan, it kind of goes to the, to the point that you were just making around transitioning uh, professionals. It really, it really comes back that it's, it's very hard. You know, it's like somebody trying to diagnose uh, a situation and come up with a treatment uh, when you can't see the person at the talking. So there's a lot of information I would want to know about the job he's going to. Uh, I don't know the questions he asked the people I don't know what they're looking for. What happened to the person before him? Uh, is, it a, is it a solid job? There is so many possibilities that people deal with. Uh, what, if he's replacing somebody, what happened to the person who he's replacing? Where did they go? What did they do? Yeah. So, uh, but again, it, it's something that keeps you awake at night. The, the fundamental question I get from people is, what do I do now? Yeah. And this yeah. is not, and it, it, we should make it clear, we've done this every time we've done this program. I'm not a therapist, I'm a strategist. Yep. So I take the psychology of the workplace and apply it to somebody's movement going forward. So when you go into a meeting, what do you say? Do you plan to do that? Do you, do you plan effectively? I mean, I, if people look up my website, there's a whole uh, presentation there for the course of myths. You want to look at that and make sure that you're not operating your business or your own personal life based on any of these myths. Yeah. Dan, I think you're going, your uh, internet connection seems like it's going. I'm, I'm getting, you're seeming kind of choppy. I don't know if you have other tabs open or email or anything that might be no, I, I don't. slowing everything down I potentially. Nope. Nope. You're, okay. Well, we'll keep going until. Hopefully we can still hear you. Um, you, just, you just stop. So the next question that came in was from Derek Waters. And he says, what advice would you give CEOs regarding the fear of employees returning back to the work environment? Boy, that's a great question. I really don't know. I, I think everybody's facing it. They're talking about people coming back in the work environment. How people put, I imagine they're putting a tremendous amount of testing on people to come into a workplace. Uh, how do they protect people? How do, how do they deal with the anxiety people have about catching this virus from somebody else? How do you make sure that somebody is... Uh, 
following the proper hygiene. I don't know. But that's certainly something that, you know, an HR department of a, uh, of a company, I know HR companies now that are looking at this issue to provide testing in, in work environment. But again, it, it's, uh, there's so many things that are unknown here uh, that people just have to be, I believe, very careful of themselves and monitor their own performance and how they protect themselves mm -hmm. and protect their families. And where they go, I mean, is sheltering in place is, is uh, it's it's working out, but there are some challenges. You know, if you deal with, I have a, a client who's got a uh, with a European company, and uh, the people who are here in, in New York are comfortable with this, but the senior management is not comfortable not having somebody in their office at their desk. And that comes back to the issue we talked about last week: the remote management. There's a whole system. To manage people remotely, I, I believe, and we've used it around the world with a group of people, and it really comes back down to saying, um, "I want to, uh, I want to move from a, a management culture into a coping culture," and to do that, the people who are in leadership really have to know what they do well. And then they move right into a system that it works extraordinarily well because I've had people that have uh, remote teams all over the world. And how do you how do you manage them if you can't see them? Well, there's a way to do that. So Dan, I'm still getting you still sound really choppy. Um, and I'm wondering if it makes sense to close this and then maybe either Yeah, maybe even come back come back tomorrow or come back later because... Well, I, I can come back later. I can come back tomorrow. You just have to figure the time. Okay. So because of the, you know, I can't really hear Dan that well, we are going to wrap up this uh, special edition. And then what we'll do is we will come back again. I'll share with everyone on LinkedIn the time and if we're doing it later today or if we're doing it tomorrow, um, the time. And we will get Dan back on to answer the rest of the questions because Dan, there was another question coming through. Uh, uh, Cameron asked the same follow-up question around, um, even if he's the one who asked about the small business um, dealing with cybersecurity challenges. And he said, even if we have enough safety measures in place, how do we deal with mental stress, even if everything is going fine? And I think that is, um, a prime question that many of us have, and I want to make sure people get that answer. That, that's so, a great question. Yeah. Why don't we open up when we come back? Yep. So we'll open up with that one when we come back, Cameron, um, and we will take off for today. Thanks, everyone, for joining. And then um, we'll be back. I will make sure to post it out there on LinkedIn exactly when we'll be back with Dr. Dan. Hey, Thanks Ray. so much, Dan. Thanks a lot, Renee. All right. Bye.